Remember the Sabbath, uh, part two, uh, is what we're going to be speaking from this morning. So we have preached through a variety of the commandments, and we've spoken about the fact that there are commandments that relate to our relationship, our vertical relationship, meaning our relationship between man and God, and the rest of the commandments focus on our relationship horizontally, which means your relationship with God needs to be right if your relationship with man is right, vice versa. And so these commandments adjust, this particular commandment speaks to our relationship with God. Last week we spoke about the fact that this is not one of those commands that is part of the law anymore. As a matter of fact, it's not one that Jesus shares out of the Ten Commandments. This is the only one that Jesus is purposefully excluded from mentioning as being applicable uh, once the new covenant comes. And so we spoke about the fact that we will move this from the place of law, from the place of obligation to the place of wisdom. This is a wise thing for you to do. It is a wise thing for you to gather and worship. It is a wise thing for you to take a Sabbath. And so we explained that Sabbath was meant for us. God meant it for us to relax, to take a breather, to recharge. And last week we explained this. God specifies one day for us to take a day of rest. In our culture, we have actually two days that normally folks get off. Normally folks work five days a week and they get off two days to be able to enjoy as a time of Sabbath. And so one of the things that we spoke about last week was, here's how you know that you're messing up with the Sabbath. If seven days of the week, all seven days look the same, feel the same, and exhaust the same, then you are ruining the Sabbath. Then you are not following the wisdom of the Sabbath. If six days you spend working and hustling at your job and producing and one day you do something different and pause and relax and worship, you are partaking of the Sabbath. And so because we move this from a place of law to a place of wisdom and we dealt with this from a theological perspective last week, today we're going to deal with it from a very practical perspective, the Sabbath. And so today, we're going to talk about seven reasons why we Sabbath. Seven reasons why we Sabbath. But first, I'd like to draw us back to the Word this morning. And I'd like to read specifically uh, from the biblical text. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11. And it says this. And remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien, meaning the immigrant, within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Father, we just ask that you would just give us perspective in your word this morning and speak to us firmly and strongly this morning from your word and compassionately. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, why should we take the Sabbath? Why is this in the category of wisdom? Why is it wise 
for me as a person or for me as a Christian to take the Sabbath. Number one, to remember Jesus' work. We stop our work to remember Jesus' work. So I have a question for you, and I want some participation here. True or false, Christians believe that they're saved by works. That's actually a tricky question. Some of you are like, I- I'm not going to say it. I-, I prefer not to be wrong. But-, but actually, it's true. We are saved by works. It's just not ours. It's not our works that save us. It's Jesus' work that saves us. It's not our work. See, because what happens is sometimes the preacher will get up and say, you're saved by grace and not by works. No, you're, you're saved by Christ. You're saved by, by grace from Christ, and it's Christ's work, not our own. Again, he met the demands of the law so that we wouldn't have to. So when God became man, lived without sin, endured temptation, went to the cross, suffered and died in our place for our sins, got buried, got up three days later, evidences resurrection, I think Jesus would tell you that that was work. Sounds like a lot of hours, doesn't it? So that was a lot of work that Jesus went through to atone for the sins of the world. So what we do on the Sabbath day is something different from every other religion. Because every other religion teaches that if you want to be saved, you need to work. You need to reincarnate. Pay off your karmic debt. You need to be a good person and live a moral life. Your good deeds need to outdo your bad, whatever it is. But Christianity does not teach that we work for our salvation, but that Jesus worked for our salvation. And we, as believers in Jesus, trust in the fact that Jesus got the job done and he finished the work for us. That's why on the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. In other words, he's telling the Father, hey, Lord God that's in heaven, all the work's been done, everything has been finished, it is all complete. And once the work is done, once the work has been done for our salvation, all that remains is that we trust in his finished work. So on our Sabbath day, what we're remembering is my relationship with God did not begin with what I've done. And it is not sustained by what I do. And it is not guaranteed to the end by my effort or by my work. I am saved from beginning to end by the work of Jesus. He saved me. He walks with me. And I will stand before him in the end. So the Sabbath allows us to cease from our work. And it reminds us that our salvation is not by work. It's by Jesus' work and the grace that he gives us because of his finished work on the cross. Number two, why is it wise for me to take the Sabbath? Number two, to connect with Jesus and his people. The Sabbath forces us to spend time with the Lord and with his people. This is a time for Bible reading, for prayer, for silence and solitude. It may be a time for going out for a hike. It may be a time for talking to the Lord. It may be a time for playing your guitar, singing out. Whatever it looks like for you to connect with the Lord Jesus and with his people. See, sometimes we get so busy that we have time for things and not people. We're so busy working on the house. We're working on the car. We're working on the job. 
And we forget people. And I'll tell you what, there's only one thing that you're going to take with you into the kingdom of God, and that is the people of God. All the other stuff is going to stay here. The people of God, we go together into the kingdom, and we live forever together. People are more important than things. Things matter, but people matter more. Jesus didn't die for things. He died for people. Jesus can replace things, but you can't replace people. You and I should be people who seek not to live with regret. I never got with them. I never followed up with them. I never had a meal with them. I didn't pursue a friendship with them because I just didn't have the time. Because, you know, the things in my life push people out of my life. The Sabbath is the time to connect with people. So what does this look like for you? I remember every Sunday in my house, my parents used to like to do this for practice. As a matter of fact, we still continue it on. Sometimes we gather together for New Year's Eve, and we go to my parents' house, and they cook Fra Diablo. Do you know what Fra Diablo is? I love it. Fra Diablo is just, it, it is an Italian dish, and it is a seafood dish, and it tastes amazing. And we gather together, and we just chit-chat. Uh, uh, let me tell you a perfect, a perfect scenario of the Sabbath for my family. Okay? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is like Sabbath on steroids for my family. When we just eat together, relax together, connect together, and we're doing it over, over really, 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 really good food. Because, you know, Spanish people, we just don't do the turkey. We do the pork, too. And we just don't do the mashed potatoes. We do the nice Spanish rice with it, too. And so, uh, uh, you know, and eggnog. So if you want to come to my house for Thanksgiving, I, <laughs> I'm taking orders. But, uh, <laughs> but, but maybe your Sabbath needs to look like, maybe after you get out of church, you're somebody that, that needs to reconnect with some old friends. Get together with family. Maybe you need to throw a big party or, or a nice meal. We sit down for dinner together in my family. It's a sacred time. I don't pick up the phone. I leave it. Elsewhere, nobody can contact me while I'm eating with my family. It's important time for the people who love each other to actually be with each other and in relationship with each other. And it's including other people in your life and leaving margin for hospitality, for relationship, for friendships, for getting to know people that you don't even know yet. But God wants you to get to know who they are. But it's going to take some time and some relationship building to make that possible. You know, when I started to realize that, that my phone was getting in the way, and, and I have an addiction to my phone, I will admit that to you. And I keep it with me, probably next to me all the time, and, and I've uh, been slowly and surely moving away from that because I realized that this little device brings a whole lot of trouble. And not everything on the other end of this little device is good information. And so one of the things that I realized is when I began to... Uh, spend time with my daughter and play with her, and I would pull my phone out and try to talk on my phone, my daughter would take my phone and run. And she would hide it. And I began to get the impression that she began to realize that while Daddy was saying he was spending time with his little girl, the phone began to get in the way. Sometimes it's time to put technology to the side. Your phone, your computers, we live in a technology-addicted society. It's time to put those to the side. Sometimes it's time to connect with friends and with family. Facebook isn't the way that you do it. See, our days are so superficial and shallow. I mean, most of us, what we know about people is primarily what we read off of posts on the Internet. 
And that's not really who someone is or how they're doing or where they're going. It takes face-to-face time to really grow relationships. And the Sabbath affords, enables, and even enforces that. Your kids aren't going to work. Your servants aren't going to work. This is a time for us to gather, communicate, connect with each other. Number three, third reason, is to prepare for eternal rest. We're to prepare for eternal rest. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8 through 10, the Apostle Paul likens heaven to an eternal Sabbath. It doesn't mean that there won't be work in heaven, but the work won't be cursed. It'll be easier. We won't have to do everything seven times. Or if you are uh, hardware uh, impaired like I am, you won't have to hit the nail three times before you can get it in. Or try to drive that screw another 40 times before you strip it. It's so frustrating when you're trying to put an Ikea furniture set together and it breaks. It, it never works. It just never comes together. But in heaven, we will have to work, but it won't be cursed. Ikea will not be in heaven. And if you can't take a nap, if you can't take a day off, heaven's going to drive you nuts. It's going to drive you crazy. So the Sabbath day is the day to sleep in. Some of you say, but I'm supposed to serve the Lord. Serve him by sleeping. Not every day, though. Some of you need to stop sleeping in. But the those of you who get up and, and go to work, Sleeping in is an act of worship, and it's your way of saying to God, I believe that when I am asleep, God is still sovereign, and I don't need to get up, and I don't need to control everything because the one who is in control actually has it all covered. Number four, why is it wise to do it? To follow in the rhythm of God. Jesus took a nap. You sometimes need to take a nap. I took a nap yesterday, and I believe that God was glorified in my nap just as he is in my sermon, I think. We'll see at the end of this. <laughs> but how many of you think that taking a nap is glorifying God and an act of worship? How many of you don't think that taking a nap is an act of glorifying God or taking a day off? But the reality is that it is. So we worship God six days by, work, by working. And we worship God on the seventh day by not working. It's all worship. It's just worshiping the same God in different ways. We worship by mirroring the rhythm of God. And we examined this last week. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, it says that God worked for six days and he took the seventh day off. Worship is where we mirror God. That is the perfect example of worship. Worship is where we mirror God. God's our father, we're his kids, and we are to follow our father's example. We're to imitate his pattern of living for us. He worked for six days, took the seventh day off, and we're worshiping him when we take that seventh day off and when we take that Sabbath. People ask me, why do you, why do, you do that? Well, this is what God does, and he loves me, and he told me I needed to take a day off, and so I do. What's interesting is that it seems to be that this is the way that God created the world and the human body. To correspond in rhythm together. I mean, it's interesting that today we live in a world in which a lot of people don't believe in the God of the Bible. But they still observe a seven-day work week. 
Did you know that recent that that in in past years in our history of the world, there were two nations that made a strong attempt to transition out of a seven-day week. Those two nations were Russia under communist rule and an atheistic revolution. They wanted to do something other than a seven-day work week because they believed that that was mirroring Scripture. And the other nation that did it uh, was France. When France decided that it would close down churches and make them philosophical centers and began to lose its footing that God gave it. But guess what happened? It failed. They went back to a seven-day work week. Why? Because it seems to be the way that God has wired us to be, the way he's rhythmed us to be. It seems to be the groove that our soul settles into because that's the way that God is. God made us in his image and his likeness, and we work best when we are in line with the way that God is and with what he created us to do. Number five. To save others and ourselves from ourselves. I'm going to repeat that again. To save others and ourselves from ourselves. We save others and ourselves from ourselves. I'll just be honest with you. The most destructive person in my life is me. I push myself in ways that no one would ever push me. I push myself in ways I would never push my children I tend to be my own pharaoh and my own slave driver. How many of you are like that? Some of you are like that, but you're a type A. You're a driver. You're a doer. And here's the big idea. If you don't take a break, you will break. If you don't take a Sabbath voluntarily, you'll take a Sabbath involuntarily. We call it stress, depression, ulcers, burnout, heart attack, hospitalization. See, the question for us type A people is not are you going to stop. The question is are you going to stop joyfully or painfully? That's the question. You can drive yourself, and when you drive yourself, you drive everybody in your world. If you're a parent, you're going to drive your kids. If you're an employer, you're going to drive your employee. Then everybody's going to have to march along to death along with you. And I've learned it the hard way. And some of you say, well, I'm glad you learned it, but I'm still learning. I've really fried myself sometimes. I've gone through moments of burnout. I've gone through moments of depression for pushing myself too hard. Sometimes we need to be saved from ourselves. Some of you are not as gracious, loving, wise, and merciful as God your heavenly father desires to be with you. And you would be driving and moving forward in your type A personality and your father in heaven would say, sit down, take a nap. I didn't tell you to do that. Let somebody else figure it out or let me take care of it. God tends to be more gracious to some of us than we are to ourselves. And I failed at this. I'm still working at this, and there are times I get this wrong. There are times that I absolutely go backward. And for those of you who are like me, it's something to be constantly aware of and constantly be repenting of. Because all of a sudden, productivity becomes idolatry. And your functional God becomes your work. I can get more done is what you think. I can get more done. The more I work, I can get more done. And God said, well, one of the things that's most important to me is to spend time with you. 
And I shared this with you last week. I used the example of a water bottle and a cup. And I shared with you that if God is attempting to pour in the spirit of God to overflow within you. You are giving him the opportunity to work within you and to transform you. Number six, to have fun and make memories. Religious people are really not fun people. You know that. Every time you turn on the TV and you wonder why they're interviewing Pastor Nutjob on TV, saying that he's a Christian, and you're like, well, I'm not like that. I'm not as judgmental as he is. I'm not, I'm not ready to, you know, go out there and burn the world for what it's doing. I'm out there to shine my light and to live Jesus out to the world. But let me tell you that religious people are really not fun. They, they're not fun. So Jesus shows up and, and kids begin to run around him and they want to be around him. You know why? Because he's fun. I don't know if you know this, but kids tend to pick adults who are fun over those who are not. Have you noticed that? How many of you say you're married, you got kids, and one of you's fun? The kid wants to be more with that one. The other one, not fun. I, I mean, kids still love you. I just want to tell you that. I just want to affirm you. But it just takes a little bit more work for them. See, God's a father who likes his kids to have fun. And so when Jesus shows up, the religious people get jealous because Jesus gets invited to the party and the religious people don't. And what religious people do then? They always do. And they say, well, there must be something wrong with Jesus. He's getting invited to all these parties. He's hanging out with these sinners. There's something wrong with him. Really? There's not another possibility that maybe you're not fun and they didn't want to invite you? Maybe there's something wrong with you. <laughs> so you know you're onto something when non-Christians begin to invite you to hang out with them. And it's not to do things that are nefarious. They, just like you, find you to be somewhat enjoyable. Jesus was like that. People like to hang out with him. That's why people would invite Jesus to parties. They would hang out with him. They would come around him. They would spend time with him. Part of it was his teaching and his miracles and all of that. But part of it was, I think, Jesus is the guy that you could get to the kingdom of God. And I think, and, and, and I think if you're hanging out with Jesus, you'll be like, that was a good day. That was fun. That totally beat out going to the dentist. That was a really good day. It beat out going to my lawyer this morning. It was fun hanging out with Jesus. And no offense to dentists. I hope you guys have a good day, and I hope you guys enjoy your time here. But part of getting the Sabbath day is sometimes we're working, 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 and we need to do a little bit of playing. Those, who us, those of us who are prone to work need to play. And you say, well, I don't want to waste time. So you do. Because that's one of the things that God asks you to do, is to waste a little bit of time doing something fun. So what's fun? Sabbath is for fun. It's for play. It's for rest. It's for rejuvenation. It's for recharging your battery. It's for making memories. And this is what I love to do. I like to be with my kids. I find my kids and being around my kids to be very, very life-giving. I like to plan fun things with them. I like to take photos with them so that they can, we can revisit those memories together. Remember when we went there. Remember when we did that. Remember when we did this. Remember when we did that. You don't got to go take your family out to Florida or to the Caribbean or anything like that. You can, it's just as fun to go to a, a state park and enjoy yourself. Yesterday, my wife 
my wife is, is really into this New Jersey family stuff. So she looks on the internet always for us to find something that we could do. Yesterday, uh, the uh, West Orange, the Thomas Edison State Park was open, and it was open for free. And so we toured Thomas Edison's facility. We took our daughters to do that free. Sometimes I go on hikes with my family. You make time for what is important in your life. Your kids and your family will remember those memories. They will remember nothing else. It could be little things. It could be big things. I don't know what your thing is or what's fun for you or what's enjoyable for you or what's a memory for you or who you can share it with or how you can capture it. Praise God for it. It is an act of worship to enjoy your family. You know what? I love it when my kids do the chores. I love it when I tell my little girl, hey, would you mind putting the diaper, Sophia's diaper in the garbage for us? Would you mind cleaning up your, your little play mat for us? But what I love most is to hear my beautiful girl laughing or to see my baby laughing. When you hear your kids laughing, parents, grandparents, it's just a gift to the soul. If my kids never laughed and always worked, I'd be glad that they were productive and hardworking, but I'd be worried about their soul. And God's a father who wants his kids to work, but he wants them to laugh and to have fun and to make memories. Number seven, to learn the difference between time and energy management. Let's talk about that for a second. I'd like to focus on that. In addition, we, we, we're going to learn the difference this morning between time and Management and energy management. See, there are things that take a little bit of time, but a lot of energy. And there are things that take a long time, but don't take a lot of energy. It's not just time management. We live in a day when everybody's like, manage your time. you got to learn to manage your time. I would say what is more difficult but more important is to manage your energy. If I told all of you right now, all right? Run out of that door as fast as you can. Some of you would get to the door because you're smokers and it'd be all over. <gasps> Some of you would make it a mile. Others five. Others ten. Some of you could run a marathon right now. But at some point, every one of us will run out of energy. You can only go for so long, and then you will have to recover. What goes up must come down. Like plugging in your technology, your battery winds down. You've got to recharge it. And when we Sabbath, when we have a different day that's not like the rest, it gives us a new perspective on the rest of the six days. That was a waste of time. That was a waste of energy that exhausted me. So I've got to find a way to get enough energy to do that or to endure that. This is something I really need to find a way to do. This is something I need to find a way to stop doing. It teaches us not just to manage our time but to manage our energy. Let me do just a little bit of an experiment with you guys this morning. How many of you are introverts? How many of you are introverts? Oh, you like spent, you see, the introverts won't even raise their hands because they're introverts. They're like, Pastor, you put me on the spot. I'm an introvert. I don't even want to raise my hand. I want to go into a cubby, send me to the bathroom somewhere. They're like, don't call me out like that. I'm an introvert. Introverts are not people who don't like people. They're often mistaked as being folks that don't like people. 
They're just people who are not energized by people. You could love people, but then you want to go home and you want to be alone. How many of you are extroverts? The extroverts took two seconds to raise their hands. I mean, I mean, you guys are like, yes, I'm an extrovert. I am out there. I love taking energy from people. I get around. Let's go out. Let's go have a party. I want to go out later. You want to meet with me later? I want to get to the restaurant before the Presbyterians and the Methodists do. I mean, some of you are just like extroverts. You're like out there, and you know, you're different. You love spending time with people. You're energized by people. If you're feeling tired and burned out, you don't go into a room by yourself and go read a book. You go and you're like, where the party's at, guys? Take me. Is there a family retreat going on? I'm there. Who's it going on? I'm Becky's house. I'm going. That's an extroverted person. We've got to do something. How many of you are married and the other person drives you crazy? Don't raise your hand, please. That's what tends to happen when you're married, an introvert and an extrovert together. It's about managing your energy. And each person is different. So if you're an extrovert, you're going to go out into a crowd or go out with a bunch of people and you're going to be like, yes, this is amazing. Throw me into the mosh pit. I want to go. I mean, take me. I'm so excited to be here. And they're like, no, no, uh, I need to go home. I need to, I need to go to bed. I, I'm exhausted. <laughs> and vice versa, right? An introvert with an extrovert married. Hey, it's our Sabbath day. I'm going to go read a book. You read a book. Me read a book. And you're sitting there reading and you're like, I can't sit anymore. I can't read no more. I've got to see somebody. I've got to do something. I need to be active. I'm not a contemplative person. I'm an active person. Get me out of this house. My wife is different than me. My wife is an extrovert. As much as you will probably think that I am an extrovert, I am not. I am an introvert. I enjoy spending time by myself. In fact, after I get done here speaking, sometimes I will head up and I'll go to my office upstairs or I'll run over to my house and I'll spend some time alone. Or when I'm really frustrated, you know what I do? Weird thing. Seriously, we have a cemetery across the street. Every time I have to have a difficult conversation with somebody, I'm walking with my phone in my hand, talking to them in the cemetery. (laughs) Don't have a difficult conversation with me. I am thinking about death while I'm talking to you. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But everybody's different. We all recharge differently. Some of us love that. I mean, we're like, hey, what's up? What are you doing? I want to get together. I want to do this. I mean, I'm going to. And some of us are just like, hey, hey, just want to pause. Just want to relax. Every one of you needs to learn what recharges you. Maybe you're a contemplative person. And you get recharged by reading a book. I get recharged. I, as much as I hate doing it, I get recharged by working out. I hate it. But it recharges me. I get recharged by reading a book. I get recharged by being in silence. I get recharged by walking around and hiking. Those are things. I get recharged by simply just listening to my podcasts 
on my phone and just just kind of hanging out. And my, I get recharged by going up into my office. I get recharged by spending time with my kids, by talking at night with my wife. That recharges me. Some of you guys are different. What I don't want to do is turn this into a bunch of laws, but I want you to figure out how the Sabbath works for you. Other people figure out how it works for them. And we need to learn from each other. Some of us need more work. Some of us need to rest more. Some of us need to manage our energy better. And some of us need to manage our time better. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. I have just one brief story that I'd like to share with you. I remember when I was in school, when I was in school, I think it was heading into middle school, computers were really becoming big. Uh, And I remember these box Apple computers, okay? And I remember going into computer class. I was probably one of the first classes that ever went to computer class, okay? My kid will look at me and wonder what a floppy disk is. Remember floppy disks? You don't remember what a floppy disk, I, I guess it skipped you two. <laughs> Typewriter, you know what that is. <laughs> but a, a floppy disk, my kids will never know what it was like to take a cassette out and to have to take a little pencil through it and rewind it at all. A-tracks, CDs, Ataris. The world is vastly different now, but I remember going to computer class, and there was this class, there was this game that they would put on in computer class, and it was called Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail, and you would play this little thing, and and basically it was mimicking the Oregon Trail. You'd have to go from one part of the nation. I think you'd leave from, like, Chicago or something, and, and this was during the 1800s, and you go all the way to Oregon. And while you were there, you'd face all sorts of things. There were looters, hunters. There was dysentery that your people would get. And they would, you'd have to cross rivers and figure out how to do this. And all these little, little prompts. But there's a story that was told of a wagon train of Christians traveling from St. Louis to Oregon. And they observed the Sabbath day by stopping to rest and not traveling. But as winter approached, some in the group began to panic that they would not reach Oregon before the snow fell. And so they proposed that they would begin to travel on the Sabbath days as well. And the group was split over the idea. And so they split into two distinct traveling groups. One would travel all seven days and one only six days. The group which rested reached Oregon first. And the people and the horses were so rested that they could travel more efficiently over the course of the next six days. I want to share with you something. The Sabbath was made for man. We don't serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath serves us.